Welcome to episode 42 of Off the Crossbar, uh, recorded the same night as episode 41 of Off the Crossbar. Did they which, need to know that? Yeah, I think they <laughs> no, did. No, they didn't, but um, peek behind the curtain. <laughs> yeah, peek behind the iron curtain. Um, we're actually here today with uh, Victor Rodriguez, who's a great RSL fr- fan, someone I've known for, I don't know, a long time. Um, but never like really well. So I'm really excited to sit down and have a conversation on air. Yeah. Um, Victor, how many, how many Matthew hair cycles have you seen? Like short to long? I think that's a good way to measure this. I, I, I had actually forgotten that Matt had long, like he posted a picture the other day and, and all of a sudden I was like, Whoa, like way. I remember going to the stadium, like way back in the day and seeing the ponytail <laughs> and we even played, I think we might've played soccer one time at, yeah. as well. And, uh, you know, he's had it short for so long that I had kind of, kind of forgotten. So I'm glad to see that it's back. Yeah. It's COVID hair. <laughs> <laughs> well, we normally, uh, kick things off with a, a social hour, which is not really an hour. And it's mostly just us talking about like the things we've been watching on TV, um, <laughs> because we're very exciting people like that. So, uh, I think the the big question is just like how are you doing? How are how's life been over the last year? Uh, it's been it's been a wild ride. A uh, little bit of cabin fever, and uh, we were pretty strict at the beginning, and then now uh, you know we started to get vaccinated, so it's, it's getting a little bit better. But I think the biggest challenge has been uh, we have three kids, man. So homeschool, like my, my daughter the oldest studies Mandarin immersion. Oh uh, my. There's, I, I have to use Google translate to help her. <laughs> like I have no idea what I'm doing. Dude. Uh, you know, this, this uh, appearance that dad knows everything just vanished. And oh so, man. Watching. Yeah. Oh man. Losing your, like your dad's not a hero anymore because of, of Mandarin immersion. <laughs> it's like the funniest way for that to happen. I, I didn't see that coming at all. And, <laughs> Dude, I don't know how people like with kids are, have been doing this. Like I genuinely just don't understand logistically, like let alone the Mandarin immersion, just like, yeah. So good on, good on you because I, man, I'm sure you're ready for uh, them to be back to school. I, I assume. I just would love for them to have experiences with people that are much better at their job in education than <laughs> I am. Like they should enjoy going to school and have friends, yeah. not have dad, you know, not know how to do something. And then just like, do you just want a sandwich? I'll make you a sandwich. That's the one thing I know how to do. <laughs> do that. Like, no, we don't want any more sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> this all sounds so familiar. No, cause I've got my daughter too. And we, we went through the same kind of thing. Um, when she, schools first shut down she came to live with me and yeah like logistically it was we just stayed home and tried to do school but like i'm good at math and i'm kind of good at science and i know history which are none of the things that she loves about school so it was really like she was explaining her stuff to me and i was trying to teach her stuff that i don't know how to teach to 10 year olds i understand math as like an adult and i know how i do math but it's not at all how they're taught in school. So it's, yeah, the homeschooling thing was huge struggle. I feel you on that. We, we underpay teachers, man. They deserve more. Oh no, for sure. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Yeah. I, 
got a lot to say about that. But yeah, I mean, especially like this last year has been like, I mean, yeah, I'm sure you also have seen like videos of like some of the teachers like showing what they do on like a daily basis, especially the ones that have like, uh, like some kids in person and some that are remote. Like I just don't, I, I don't, I don't get it. I don't know how, but yeah, um, man, I'm glad you're doing well though. Aside from the, uh, the Mandarin immersion, <laughs> dude, that, that seriously is Mandarin immersion from home has got to be one of like the funniest things I've, I've heard. That's, that's great. It's been, it's been different, but yeah, I'm excited. Uh, hopefully they get to go back to school next year. Well, yeah. we're cross our fingers for you. Every parent is rooting for that right now, I think. Yeah. Well, uh, should we get into the meat of this one? Yeah. So yeah, let's go. Let's this kind of all I mean, OK, so the topic really is how Real Salt Lake um, has been it, Real Salt Lake and its relationship with the Latino and the Hispanic fan base um, in here in Utah. And this has been kind of pushed more um, out in the open again because um Alex Vejar of the Salt Lake Tribune wrote an article basically about that topic, interviewed a bunch of people um, like Andy Munoz of the RSL show and some other people to kind of talk about, um, you know, current state of affairs and, um, you know, in some historical context of like how we are kind of at where we're at. And we're in a weird point in Ralph Lake history where there's we're kind of starting again from square one and in a lot of ways. And there's a lot of room um, for new influences to come in and hopefully change things for the better, um, because unfortunately, like a lot of history can't be undone. And I know you like um, Victor, you had a really long thread in response to this article. And one of the things you talked about in particular was, um, how the club handled Javier Morales's departure from the club. Um, and how, and the impact that that had, but do you want to kind of just like sum up like what your response was to the article? Yeah. I, I had a lot. Yeah. And not just to the article, but really to like the whole thing. Cause I know you weren't really just responding to the article in that thread. Yeah, so there, I've, I've had this conversation many times with you know other fans and people I go to the stadium with and, and family and things like that, and uh, it, it's a whole uh, it's, it, it it's it's simple in many ways, um, and I think it feels like we've tapered off into something new. There's a lot of you know disenfranchised uh, people, and uh, from. I'm not a spokesman for the community by any means, but this is how I see it is. I don't think we necessarily did anything special at the beginning to engage with really any community. We just, RSL has a great story. Within, you know, five years, we just had, a, we had a Cinderella team. We had a, you know, that Marquette story. We had like a, you know, a Cavalier story. We had this story that happened to us very early on with an amazing cast of people that, you know, it's going to be hard to replicate ever again. So this thing came at us. Oh, I, I want to say it's a blessing because I love sports, right? I love RSL. So it, it, this very special moment where you have players that you will remember forever that accomplished something that would really is impossible for a small market 
and especially Utah uh, to happen. So I think winning um, the the players that we had, you know, the coach that we had and the staff that we had gave us the, this unique opportunity where we didn't have to, I don't think, have these targeted engagements with fan. It was about winning. Winning cures all ills or, or whatever the, the quote is. And we were on this high. And, uh, you know, sometimes I think we gave the office a little bit too much credit. I think it really had a lot to do with the players. And I think we took that for granted a little bit. But we had, you know, Javi, uh, Olave, Borchers, uh, Grabavoy, Kyle, uh, Nick, like just Sabario, uh, yeah. Sabario, Espindola, like all this just an incredible cast. Like if you were to try and compile those guys, you'd be you'd have a hard time doing it. And and not only that, but we we made the team. Like it it felt very organic. Like these were not name busting, you know, like cat busting names. Uh, there wasn't all these fees paid for them. It just became it was this anomaly, lightning in a bottle. We got to experience it, and we rode that wave, and we slowly chipped away at it. And uh, so I don't think that we stopped doing some special engagement that, you know, from the beginning. It just we were in a good place. Great story. And then it kind of started to fall apart. And uh, so now I think we, we can start to consider what went wrong and, uh, you know, how we can maybe remedy some of those things. So, um the player exits uh, was a weird thing. It's not just Javi. Javi was a, I mean, that was, it seemed like the most visible, understandable one that every everybody could resonate with. How could yeah. this happen? How could this happen like overnight? And how could it not be fixed? And, uh, you know, with how much it means, he meant to the fan base, like how was this not, how was there no attempt to put out a better statement than he misunderstood and it was his fault. Even if it was his fault, even if it, even if it was a hundred percent his fault, you got to manage that a little bit better. And the communication around how we, how the, the news comes out about certain players is, is kind of weird to me and, and other yeah. people as well. One, one example is, you know, Joao Plata went through some weird episode with Petkey where Pecky would talk about Joao like he was he was his stepson like he's being immature and he's being punished and he's not playing because he's not you know he's not being this way or that way and until he learns and I see improvement and from and it wasn't like maturity on the field it was like his personal maturity like when would you ever talk about a player maybe it was true maybe it was true but I mean, what what what's the comfort in speaking about someone that way? Danilo was the same way. Uh, on the cusp of being on the national team, a regular on the national team, a lot of excitement, a lot of hype. We're, everybody's rooting for him. He's got a story. He's an underdog. And then over a summer, doghouse. Not a lot of explanation. I want him gone. He's out of here. Don't hear about him anymore. Heard some things about Bofo. Um Heard a lot of things about Espindola. Heard a lot of things about Savo. All these dudes like have these weird exits where their laundry is aired out. And like I said, maybe it's true. Maybe, some of it's probably true, but I don't know why it's aired out this way. And I, if I were to guess, there's a lack of cultural competency here where there isn't a, a good communication between whoever's doing making these decisions and how it's communicated to the player 
and then an extension how it's community uh, communicated it out to the community. Yeah. We yeah. all have to go ahead. Yeah, totally. No, I mean, um, uh, like we have like a Slack group, like full of our, of RSL fans and, um, cheeky is in there and he's he's been known to like be like really close to the club in a lot of capacities but like some of the stories that he shared about like some of the things that the club seemingly left up to like him to take care of with like a lot of these like latino players it was like come on like why 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 (laughs) why is it like this random dude's job to do this he's just a fan like he's a fan like like any of us but like yeah so i think there's certainly some cultural con like competency issues there and like what you're saying about uh hobbies was clearly like the most notable because he's such a club legend but it's like if it could happen to hobby who they know is like arguably the like one of the most he's top three of most important players in rsl history like what's going on with like the guys that don't have you know aren't on that same pedestal and I like in your thread that you brought up a really good point about like the negative things that we hear about specific players. And, um, yeah, there's certainly a trend there, um, that like is very noticeable and it was very noticeable, especially under Pecky, like you're saying. Um, I mean, I haven't really noticed it. Like Freddie is much more of a reserved person and that doesn't really talk in the same way that, that Pecky did. Um, and I don't really does. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But like, yeah, there's, there's been like weird vibes there that are, um, like, it's just, it's, it's an alienating it's, and like what you're saying, like there was never like this big intentional, like, Oh, we're doing Latino outreach. We have this person like, that's, you know, going to Latino neighborhoods and like, and trying to sell to people, sell tickets to like specifically these type of, yeah, it it was never really that, but it was just like the culture the wave of everyone riding, like the winning and when times were good, but then like when, you know, it was time for certain things to end and certain stories to, to close, like it was never done in the right way. And how could people not feel alienated when the product on the field isn't making up for those type of things? It's like, of course, of course, you're going to lose this type of uh, this type of support. Um, but I, I'm curious about this theme that I see repeated both in in Alex's article. Not saying that Alex himself is is saying this is the answer, but something I hear quite a bit, and it's like if RSL signs a big name Latino player, if they sign a Mexican national team player, like that's gonna that's gonna solve a lot of problems. And that's and I guess the 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 reasoning there is that. When, you know, when, when Tigres came and played here, uh, it felt like a, an RSL away game at that CONCACAF Champions League game. I, there were so many Tigres fans there. It was absurd. So they're like, everyone at the club knows there's like a ton of, a ton of Latino fans here who love soccer, who are coming out for Tigres, who don't come out for Real Salt Lake. Do you see any merit to the whole, like, if we sign a Mexican national team player, (laughs) that's going to fix anything? (laughs) I don't, and I'll tell you why. We we have a culture of building our players up. You know, Andy was a big part of that, going to wherever nook and cranny in the world and bringing back some ballers. Savarino, easily, easy, a baller, man. Like, and and so we don't. I don't think we necessarily need a big club player, and maybe we're not going to have one. But the biggest thing I look at is that we had one. Yeah, we had Carlos. Salcedo riding the bench 
riding the bench. Something the club couldn't figure out. Serie A could figure out in Italy. Liga MX could figure out in Mexico. Bundesliga as well. And Bundesliga figured it out too. But we benched this dude, remember? Like he's like behind Enoch, you know, Vasquez or Elias Vasquez, the Guatemalan dude. There's a couple other dudes in front of him and like he had to write this weird letter, another weird exit. So I think if, 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 you know, Carlos Vela were to come play here, we'd squander it too. And the community would be like, I told you. And take the <laughs> player's side and be like, that club doesn't know how to handle anybody. I mean, we had Burrito Martinez. He's, that's not a nobody. Yeah. That's not a nobody. And this dude had an epiphany one day to go save the dogs in Argentina. You think there's not a story there that's going on that that's the, one of the weirdest things I've ever seen, but we, we don't know how to, there's a problem and we don't know how to, we haven't fixed it. Salvarino had a great exit. So maybe there's no drama there. Maybe it was him. He's just a sensible dude. I don't know what it is. That was a great exit. I didn't hear anything, but, uh, no, I don't think we need a big name. I think we find we find players, and that's who we are. We've had success with it. We just haven't been able to keep all the pieces that we need. And uh, I think you know some of the office management has chased a lot of people away. That really, I I consider Burrito Martinez would have been our Lodero from. from yeah, August. I mean, we got a dude directly from Boca Juniors. It's like. Juniors, man, a legend. <laughs> he was a legend in, in Argentina. Seba Jaime wasn't no one either. And it, they, all these dudes, won hardware when they left here, taking pictures with medals and celebrations. I'm like, man, must be nice. <laughs> yeah. You bring up a point, Victor. Um, talking about the player exits, it makes me curious, and I, I want to get your take on this. It seems like. There's obviously some issue with, especially Latino and Hispanic players, the way they leave the club is often kind of messy. Do you think that that extends to fans as well, like Latino and Hispanic fans, the way that they're treated by the club? Yeah, for sure. But they're, they're, I mean, I'll say it this way. Like I, I was born here, so I get a, a taste of both sides. But, uh, you know, there's real, there's real slights. Uh, and there's perceived slights and they matter the same. <laughs> you get offended the same and you feel insulted the same, whether it's merited or not. And uh, that has to be managed. You know, the the response isn't, well, don't come back. That's not a response yeah. for a club. I could tell you, like, I think other sports, you know, to a certain degree, that's true too, but soccer is a, is a separate thing. And like the fans are, the fans are the club. Like, even even the dissenting opinions that you find from staff inside the office is because they believe in something that's it's more than their job. You know, they want to build something. And so it has to be managed a little bit differently. And uh, yeah, it does extend, it definitely extends to the fans. There's just a, uh, that extra mile of service is, is seems to be lacking or, or I think some of the perks that have been given to certain groups uh, supporter groups has been used as a almost like a, a wielding stick like oh well we'll punish you this way then if you don't do this or if you don't want to comply with this almost like a like it's well we're giving you the privilege of coming to the stadium it's like no nah, man like the fans are the privilege like you're yeah. privilege to have these people there and, and it needs to be managed a little bit that definitely doesn't trickle down to the fans yeah 
So one of the things that I, I think is interesting to go back a little bit is a lot of these things are not specific, like the way the way we recruit, right? It's it's not specific to targeting a fan base. It's instead being kind of genuine to who this club is. And how much of that is like is building a good club? I, this sounds really leading, actually. <laughs> how much of that, like building a good club, is the important thing? Um, and people enjoy a club that is that is good and like is genuinely good to the people who it employs. And how much of it is like kind of a uh, just a, a really great situation that panned out well? So I think some of the things that we've already talked about have been detriments to you know morale and fan engagement. Uh, the elimination of those things don't necessarily correlate to growing a fan base. Like, you know, like I said, like uh, when things are good, things are good. And if you don't have any engagement outside of victories, then things are bad and things yeah. fall apart. Like there's no continuation of that. You're waiting for the next wave for lightning to strike again. It, it, the club, um, you know, and the way that they play and the success and how it treats its fans is a very important piece. But to me, those are foundation. Those are foundational. Like those are, you have to have that, and then everything builds on that. Like those are, uh, you know, how you treat your employees, how you treat the fans, uh, you know, the way that you approach them and have these relationships is the basis for building an engagement. That's the bare minimum. That's the very bare minimum. You build on top of that. Uh, that because we 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 don't have that foundation, we even further gone on to have a detrimental relationship with the club because they've chipped away at, you know, I think they took it for granted, honestly. Yeah. They is a very, you know, loose term, but you know, the term. I mean, but like we know who we're talking about. I mean, it's, it's been, it's from, it's ownership on down like it's, it's been a rotten tree for a long time. And so it shouldn't be any surprise that like there are a lot of different rotten apples. And one of those is clearly like the continued alienation of like a lot of people from this club and people that are already more prone to be alienated from the club, whether because they don't speak the the language as well as or maybe not at all, like for any reason why someone might feel like alienated from a club, like if there's not those other things making up for, for that, like what's the point of, of sticking around? And it, it's, this is just like, to me is just clearly like one of the many things that's um, permeating from like this rotten core that everyone's been dealing with. So, yeah. And, so yeah, I think what you're saying is like what we've discussed is how we tore it down. How we tore down the house, this whole house we had, how we tore it down. That we, that we, I think we identified how we tore down a very good thing. And like Matt said, you know, how do we, how do we get back to start building again? And what you said is true. It, it is, uh, you know, that built, starting to build that foundation, but it's going further than I think we ever went before because we, I don't think yeah. we really tried before. And this is new territory. So it isn't like we're going to, we're going to do new things. We're going to, Go back to some of the things that we were doing. I don't think we were doing very much. This is no. now, you know what? We got to start doing something. And I have some ideas around that too. And, and that's kind of what that thread was about too, is like, well, how do we get it started? And what things do we need to do? And uh, we, haven't, we haven't done a lot. Well, we've done some of them. And and, uh, and, and I think we can discuss some of those things. And, and yeah. When, yeah. When you say we've done some of them, do you mean, are you talking about the club? Or are you talking about the community or... or- 
both. So I'll, I'll give you some examples. Because I guess what I'm getting at is, is it the club's responsibility to do stuff or is it the community's responsibility? Uh, both. And uh, okay. many, many times I think the community uh, far extends the effort that they, you know, it's, it's, they've made the most effort to make a game day experience, to build a game day culture, to build a fan base. They've done the hard part and uh, the yeah. club facilitates some of it and meets with them to almost grant permissions. Yeah. Uh, but it's not like a, Hey, we're going to start this thing. And, and I'll, I'll give you an example, you know, for all those uh, section 35 guys out there, you know, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Who, you guys do that. Right. You did yeah. that. The South end. Dale, dale, dale. They do that. Right. There's these sections that are, have done it on their own. Now, what has the club done? And this is still fan base because the fan did it. We chat, believe, right, before the game starts and in every goal. The, the club promoted yep. it, yes, but it wasn't the club, no. It, it was from a fan that did it. And so I think here's one of the things that I think we need to get some engagement and start building something new. And, and this is going to sound very familiar to everyone. This isn't just a Hispanic community thing. Um, this is These are things that we've tried to do in the past and we haven't found success in doing. I think we need shared shared experiences, shared and constant experience, like uh, static experiences that we can count on that we're going to have every single time. Section yeah. 35 knows you're going to do that every single time. It needs to be a little bit bigger, and, and we I think we need a little club promotion to do it. The, the easiest thing that I can think of as an example so that people understand is singing in the seventh inning stretch. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, yeah. come out to the ball game, whatever. You know, let, totally. let's go out to the ball game. Everybody knows it's coming. Everybody is waiting for it to happen. Some people have decided to get hot dogs. Some people have decided to stand and sing. But you know it's coming every single time. We need some of those shared experiences. But further than that, what I mean by shared is it needs to be – we need to have some experiences that encompasses everybody. That's the Hispanic community, uh, English-speaking community. But whatever – anybody that shows up needs to understand this was what happens every time. And uh, we're going to participate how we want to. You know, there's a bunch of dudes in in in, uh, in sections across the stadium that sing Dale Dale. That couldn't order a taco at a taco stand in their Spanish, but they know the song. They know the song, and that's the most important part is you know the song. And for some reason, you build a respect for other cultures when you do that. If you guys yeah. play soccer, there's words that some of you guys play like use on the field that you don't use anywhere else. They're not even words. Sometimes they're just sounds. You know, to call for the ball, to call for a foul, to whatever things that you've learned on the pitch might not speak any Spanish, but you have a cultural competency to say golazo or to say, hey, sucio or, or, you know, or, or call for the ball, whatever. So that we need these shared experiences. And uh, if they have a little bit of Hispanic representation every once in a while, it'd be great. I, I think sometimes when we market, we try to engage with certain communities. We, we try to separate and tailor. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're going to do this for them and we're going to do this for them. It's not a bad intent. It's just if we had a shared experience. Uh, you know, for a while when the game ended, Iron Lion, Zion used to play. You know, I used to wait for that song, like, for it to play because I knew it was coming. But Master of Puppets was a thing for a while. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm glad that the Gwen Stefani thing died after that. <laughs> That's not one I enjoyed, but I knew it. But that's the right yeah. idea. But, uh, if we could have some of those where the community can participate in it as well, you know, there's people that don't speak English very well. They know the Believe Anthem. 
So if we can extend that just a little bit over for everyone to participate. And one of the examples I gave in the thread is, is singing Cielito Lindo, which is a, it's a song they sing at every soccer match. This is a, an old bolero song. Like it's a, it's a, it's a recognizable song that is through generations and they sing it at every game and they know it's happening. We need these consistent and shared experiences to build on and they don't need to change so that people know what to expect. And it could be handed down as an heirloom from you to your kid, to your new friend that just came to your new girlfriend, to whatever. And they know, Whoa, this is what you guys do every time. Like I, the next time I come, I'll know it by then or, or whatever. We need that. Yeah. Yeah. So you had some other examples of like, of, you know, some recommendations that you think the club should do. Do you want to just go through some of those? Yeah. Um, I also mentioned like having a, like a little vendor market outside. I think we have a, dude, I don't know this. I don't have any insider information, but I can imagine my, you know, I'm an analyst by, by employment that I, I'm assuming that there are food contracts or things with people inside the stadium that they wouldn't be happy about things. Put some of those guys outside, have some atmosphere outside that isn't just like win a backpack from America first or whatever. Uh, have something that, you know, that's what a soccer game is like anywhere else in the world is you show up, you can buy food out there. You can buy team gear out there and many other places it's pirated gear. But imagine if you didn't have to go into the team store to buy something, your line was outside or you could see the items outside without forming a line, just look into the booth and be like, I do, or I don't want to see that. And then you order and, and get it like these little static things that are, this is a an, an engagement across all communities, but it's very familiar to the Hispanic community. Uh, one thing I said also is like a pregame Spanish show, you know, like uh, Dunny and DJ have one. It's on, you know, KSL or whatever. Imagine having a live one uh, in Spanish there or, or even just, you know, back to the shared experiences theme. Imagine having a third guy there that has some cultural competency and people can relate yeah. with. But one guy I think about is... Um, not to not to recruit him, but an example of a person that fits that category is uh, Marcelo Balboa, Nas- U.S. national team player. Yep. Speaks Spanish, speaks English. The dude could go to any party he wants to in any part of the country, and he's going to get along with someone. He could not speak speak Spanish during an entire broadcast, but my dad knows who he is. I see pictures of him at pupusa restaurants in Provo with the owner. Like, so, and we don't have to buy these dudes. Back to the Carlos Vela example, we don't have to recruit these guys that are well-known. We can build those guys. Yeah. As long as we pick a guy that people recognize, we need a Dunny. Get it? We need a Samantha Garrock. We need a, you know, we need a Brent Stevens. We need, uh, and it doesn't have to be separate. We need a Trey Fitzgerald. Know what I mean? Yeah. A dude seeing you yo, what's up, man? Like at the stadium, he's like, hey, what's up back? And it doesn't have to be a Spanish only guy. It just has to be a guy that's relatable. And he yeah, needs I to mean, be- like, cause Dunny is like, yeah, absolutely. Dunny is, is a ambassador for the club. Like he really is. And there, there's no like real equivalent to that. And like people obviously love Brian Dunseth and for good reason too. Um, yeah. So I, and like, 
that and that gets people engaged in RSL stuff. The fact that like you know Dunny's out there playing pickup soccer with guys who listen to the RSL show or whatever on a Sunday like that that makes a difference for people and how they see the club and how they feel engaged with the club. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I, like, I know you mentioned like also like e- even s- stuff that's so easy, like themed games. Like we have like, we have like a pride game, like, which is great. And I'm glad that the club does that. We have all these other like themed games, but like, there's nothing really like engaging with the Latino community or the Hispanic community around any of that. And it, it seems so, dude, we are the party, man. All you got to yeah. do is give us an excuse of what it is. And then we'll just do it. Like you don't even have to plan. Like if you just said it's Day of the Dead game, like everyone can. Like that's not strictly a Hispanic thing. Coco's out now. People know what it is. Everybody <laughs> dress up. You don't even have to provide anything. Like we'll just show up. If you wanted to do something special throughout the game or give a special shirt out or uh, you know whatever it is, then cool. But why not? I mean, LA yeah. has special jerseys <laughs> right they yeah. have these you know i don't know remember what they're called but it's just for the hispanic community like we don't have to go that far but there's some i think that, that's low-hanging fruit to me cinco de mayo a lot totally. of people may even celebrate that they don't even stop but if we had one here you would bet there's people gonna take their flags and we'll show up and do it it's low-hanging fruit i don't know how much it would cost but these little things that continuous we repeat them every year, not a one-off. You repeat them every year. Independence Day game. There's like six countries that have Independence Day around the same three dates in September. A yeah. lot of Central America, Mexico. These that's handout. That's candy, dude. That you could easily do that. And uh, to be fair, I think sometimes there's been some creative restrictions, you know, inside the club and some budget issues and things like that. But I'm telling you, it's it's not that it's it's a uh, it's not that they haven't thought of some of those things. It's maybe they've been prevented from doing that or yeah. more supported in doing that. And but it's missing. It's missing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there clearly just hasn't been the will. And like we know, people have had these conversations. I know, like you know, the club does their like yearly, you know, speak to the supporters group and hear them out type thing. And I know, like a lot of this stuff has brought been brought up to them. Um, and, but I think it's important that we talk about this as much as we can right now and leading up to like the prospect of new ownership. Um, because the, I, I like, they need to know, like, you know, that the ask is there because the people who who were talked to before, a lot of them have been gone or are gone. We get like Andy Carroll. I know for a fact that people brought that up, brought stuff up to him plenty of times and he was never. I mean, too interested in doing anything at all. Oh, um, even even stuff like dismissive ad- of it. Yeah, outright, even stuff like um, you know Spanish advertisements in certain areas of the valley. Like he didn't want to like stuff like that. No. So um, and and I like that. Like I mean, in your thread, you also brought up like we've got like the players that like to build on, and we almost missed again with Pablo Ruiz. Like Peck, he almost really screwed that one up. Um, but now we've got some like we've got we've got Pablo, who is an incredible player. You, you mentioned like Coach Olave is in the organization as well. Everton Luis, Ochoa, Douglas Martinez, Ma- Michael Chang, and then Freddy Juarez himself, who is bilingual and speaks to our our Spanish speaking players in Spanish. Like, um, yeah. So I mean, we've got all these pieces here together. It's just like we need 
the club to come in and like the new ownership and leadership to really be willing to make the investments and actually do some of the stuff if they really want to see this. Here's happen. the weird thing is if you think you remember the pass of all passes. Yeah. You yep. know how many of those things I bought? I bought, bro, it, was, it felt like I was peddling drugs. Like I bought so many <laughs> things and I would pick up 30, 40 tickets. I'd roll down with friends like, and get all this stuff. So there isn't a problem giving a discount always or, or giving a promotion or uh, some marketing ploy. It's just who it's targeted for. And like I said, yeah. other wave and took it for granted. And when the good times are good, you don't need to, you don't think you need to engage with anybody or, or put out any type of special this or that or put a lot of thought into it. I, I mean, it sounds like Andy ignored a lot of these. Pleas. Yeah. Probably thought he was riding high for, and maybe he was, but he left the club and, you know, everybody takes a piece with them a little bit and leaves something worse than how they found it. And there is one guy that sticks around and be like, dude, I have pride in this place and I want to run it like it's my house. I want to run it like I love everyone. And uh, there hasn't been that person. We just had some business people and uh, less fans than there's ever been. Like it hasn't paid off. Like whatever the bottom line is would be way better if we still had people coming out in droves, like guaranteed, you think how many people drove to Kansas city? You think that would happen now? Like, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, man, people even refuse to buy tickets or like we we're not in a good place. So you need one guy in the boardroom that annoys everyone that's willing to stand up and be that guy and be like, we need this or we need that. And uh, someone that feels passionately about and that you hired uh, you know, to hear out for that reason. And uh, they need to be put in a position of trust and uh, at least have some state, like stick around for a little while, man. The turnover is nuts. Uh, we need some people to just stay and make a difference and build it over, over time. I think we can, I don't think it's that hard. I think we, no, yeah. In, it really starts close to home in the organization. Like, so right. But it was the week before Andy Carroll, before everything came out about, uh, Deloitte Hansen, we met with Andy Carroll, um, to like, I don't know what the point of the meeting was, but he like invited us to come like talk with him or whatever. And we like, you know, aired some grievances and whatnot. And he, um, and around that time, like there were a lot of really good people we knew within the organization, um, who were being, who were leaving, being let go, who were furloughed. Um, so this is like, I mean, towards the beginning away, I guess we're like six months into the pandemic at that point. Um, and you know, like they, like you could tell they just re like, he did not care about making Real Salt Lake a good place to, to work. So when you make like a, something like Real Salt Lake a bad place to work, you're not going to attract people who want to stick around and stay for the things that really make, you know, that make it what it used to be and what it could be and make it, you know, a club that's worth loving and, and supporting. So when there's no one in there to make, like you said, to be that person, because, you know, that person isn't ever listened to. And there's no, there's no, I mean, we know people got forced out of the club. Those good people. Trey was one of those people who got forced out of the club, who was, you know, that person, I think for, for, <laughs> by all accounts. And so we know that this was a problem and we know that like in order to be able to build things to be better again, like we need to have someone in there to be that advocate who can actually make the case to why it's important to 
not just run things like a business, but like, this isn't just a business. It's like, a, it's, it's a club and it's something that's really important to people. And when they say stuff like RSL family, like they haven't shown what that family means for a long time. And uh, yeah, anyway. There's very few teams in the world that are profitable. Like yeah, there's, it's a, it's a handful of teams that are profitable. Like the Lakers, like Real Madrid, like Man U, like these <laughs> you know, very large team. You don't get into sports or ownership to turn a dollar. Like that's not, if you're sitting on a, a few billion dollars, that shouldn't be of your concern anyway. But that's not why you get into the, 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 that's not why you get into sports ownership. And it's a very literal RSL family. Like we're upset because the people that work for ourselves are our friends. Like those, these dudes are yeah. getting out. They're our friends. Like in any other venture, like you hear about some dude getting fired from the jazz, like, you're not out with torches and pitchforks. Like you're like, Oh man, he'll find another marketing job. It's all good. But here it's like, yo, you know, the people that work there work there because they love the club. They didn't just be like, I found this RSL post on LinkedIn and no. I didn't know anything about it. And I got hired. No, like these people are given a lot of their time and effort and energy. They, they cry when we lose, they cry when we win. And when they get sold out, we get sold out. And so that's yeah. why I'm telling you like when, we have that relationship with a lot of players too. So it's hard not to the fan base in any community to feel super slighted when we see these things going on. It's like you're tearing away at, at our French, at our friends. You're making their life worse. You're making our life worse. And uh, it's, it's bigger than what the score is on the, on the field. And I don't know if anybody, you know, the people that do care about the club that way, like we do seem to be pushed out. Yeah. Uh, many times they leave on their own because they just can't handle the environments like not for them yeah well here's hoping for a less toxic more <laughs> inclusive environment in the future where the owner isn't asking to buy women like a rare coin and yeah. using the yeah. n-word and any number of things Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Well, what I do think needs to happen and, and there's something I think I don't know if this is popular or not. I think at some point, us as a fan base, we're we're going to have to make the switch too to be like, okay, let's get back into full full support. Like we're squeezing this thing to get a change made. We want we don't want to squeeze it till it dies. Yeah. So at some point, there's plenty of stuff to complain about, and some things need to change. But at some point. You know, we got to make decisions like, hey, we're we're coming, we're all coming back, and we're gonna go. We didn't get all the things that we wanted, and you never will because we're a small market team, and we deal with the things that we get dealt with, right? But I think it it'll be on us to keep the club uh, surviving. And I know there's plenty of people that want to come back. I I just don't hope it goes on long enough to where, you know, we kill it. That thing, that thing needs money to run, and even the employees need to get paid the money needs to get made for them to get paid too so yeah. I hope this doesn't go on much longer <clears throat> i renewed my season tickets i bought seven and got some from my parents i want to tell everybody about it and uh you can still support the club and the players and still have opinions on things that should change everybody can deal with it a different way but man don't don't leave don't don't uh don't become inactive from the 
from the RSL church. Just yeah. And like a lot of these guys are going to be, uh, I mean, they're going to be here on like this, the new era of RSL when that, whenever that does end up starting, like, um, we've got a foundation of guys here who will be like part of this, this next phase or era of whatever this club's club ends up being. And so like, like you said, I mean, we're going to be there on opening day. Um, I'm going to encourage as many people as I can to be there on opening day. I understand why if people don't want to, if they feel like they're kicking money to Deloitte Hansen in the meantime, I understand that. But it's like, I, I, I think we're at a point where like uh, supporting players on the field can go a long way. Um, and I, I don't, I, I don't think there's risk of us losing the club. I think MLS is too invested in this market, but like um, we've got some really really good young guys here that are worth supporting. Um, and yeah, yeah, I like that. And I think we've, uh, we're on the precipice of a new era. So now is a good time to get on the ground, get in on the ground floor. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a lot to be said for supporting the players and supporting the club, but I mean, like Victor said, I, I miss the community more than anything. Same. I miss being there. I miss just being around like-minded people at the game like that was the best part um and like a lot of the things we've been talking about <laughs> the fun of that got slowly stripped away over the last several years and i can personally draw a line between a lot of those things that were slowly stripped away were things like victor said and it, it most of it has to do with maybe not directly but tangentially related to the Hispanic outreach of this club. I'm not yeah. Hispanic and I don't really respond to a lot of that stuff, but I respond to a taco truck. I respond to a rowdy <laughs> South end. I, I respond to the Dale chant. I respond to all that stuff. And that's part of the community that I love so much about RSL from a few years ago that just isn't there anymore. And it's a tragedy that the club is in the situation that it's in considering what it was. I mean, five years ago, you know what I mean? And yeah. that's why, I don't know, I've, I know I've talked about it on our podcast before, but this is important, the Hispanic outreach. Um, whatever people can do at the club to improve it, I think is really important. Um, like I said, it, they don't have to reach out to me because it doesn't affect me, but I see what it does to the club when they leave it alone. And it's, yeah, it, it's bad. It needs to improve. It's it's one of the things that I'm really looking forward to with the new ownership is is hopefully that's the priority because it needs to be. Yep. 100%. This has been a, a really great conversation, and Victor, a special thanks for joining us on this. Um, let's let's end with like one thing you're excited about with RSL in 2021, and we can all add something. But let's start with you, Victor. Uh, I, 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 maybe you, I think you guys are these guys too, but I'm excited every single season. The, the heartbreak doesn't, I'm an idiot in this way. And many <laughs> of you guys are too, like, and it's a little bit of soccer culture too. Like I'm here for the punishment. And if I get to feel elation five times a year, that is entirely worth it. So I don't even know if it's about the results. It's the anticipation. And to me, yeah. anticipation 
goes the entire year until we hit the playoffs where I'm like, okay, we're going to get – if I didn't make it, we're going to get knocked out. So the anxiety – the whole year to me is an excitement. We made it through the crappy – like the, the really crappy years that we didn't win anything. Like those few years after 2013 were, were rough. And the stadium was still full, man. Like people were still going. But uh, so I'm excited for the season to start. I'm excited to see soccer on the field. Uh, I love the, the, you know, the bubble last year in, in uh, Orlando or whatever, but this is, this is home, man. It's different yeah. on your field and it, it's part of who you are and it's part of who my kids are. And it's a tradition that I want to live forever. So to me, you know, that that's the most important thing. I am excited for Pablo. I'm excited. Pablo Reese. I, I, I'm excited for Bobby uh, Wood. I'm excited to see what, you know, how Ochoa, Ochoa develops and see how that goes. Um, let's see. Yeah, I, I mean, we've got we've got some new guys to look forward to. We've got Anderson Julio. we got Rubio Rubin, who both of those guys looked really good in the preseason games, including one that we went to. We were at that, that preseason game at Rio Tinto, and it felt so surreal, but also so good to be there. Because, I mean, the last two times I had been there, the last time was to meet with Andy Carroll, and the time before that was – the opener last year where I was with these two guys and like um yeah it was it's it's being able to get back to, to the stadium even if we're going to be sad like we are totally those guys like we were I mean through all uh, despite how shitty things got over the last couple of years in particular even like we were still there every week <laughs> like it didn't didn't matter um I mean obviously it sucks to not win but like yeah like there's just that part of all of us that like, I don't know, just sits there and will never go away, even if we are just the worst. Like, like we, I mean, we've talked about how all like the MLS writers are picking us like for last in the league or whatever. And I just think it's funny because like, no matter even that, like it, it has not dulled my like anticipation of this season starting at all. Like, I'm just like, if anything, I'm just like more excited because I have like, oh, dude, I, I think they're wrong. And I think we're going to be better than that. But anyway. it's, it's you rationalize things in a weird way. Like when we were at our worst and, and maybe this will be one of our worst years. Maybe. Who knows? I hope not. But for a while there, I, I took joy in the upsets and just yeah. ruined other people's seasons like, yeah, you lost to us. You lost <laughs> to us. We did it. Like if we could just beat Kansas City, if we could beat Kansas City and then the Rapids. Well, the rest of it, I was like, just happy to be like, ah, oh, we spoiled someone's day. That's it. That's right. Take the small wins where you can get them, even if the score was like, you know, something, something humiliating. But it's like, yeah, oh, well, at least we have this, and uh, we'll we'll stick around for a long time. I hope. I hope it. I hope it's forever. I hope it's Me forever. Too. I have to rebuild that stadium because it gets old and decrepit. I hope it's forever. Yeah. Uh, well, Ryan Smith, wherever you are. <laughs> What what what's happening, man? Like, do you need a loan? Do you need a loan? Do you need a ride? What's going? Do you need permission? What's going? Come on, we're here. I, come on, show. Man, come show. I really, show. yeah. I I hate begging, but man, I we need we need him to <laughs> swoop in. I can't think of any other prospective owners that could that. Yeah, and he's shown that he's willing to. I think listen to people. I I hope so. Yeah, hopefully that does end up uh, materializing. 
Yeah, I think that's that's the thing I'm excited for in 2021 is they have the Deloitte Hansen saga resolved and to not think about him except when I drive by one of his like billion apartment complexes. And that would be perfect. Like I'm, exactly I'm excited right. to move on. It's yeah. tragic to me that you know all of his apartment complexes. I blissfully have no idea what properties he owns except for the We spent so much time looking into his Oh, I know. We I know we, I know for well, a fact that Matt knows actually knows most of his apartment complex did, properties. Do you remember those Dropbox folders we found? Was it was it Dropbox? Uh yeah, I think or so. Or that was just like site. It was just like site directory files. Oh, that they yeah, had there were site directory files. We found some weird shit on his company's websites. Anyway. <laughs> oh, boy. Like anyway. Podcasts have like dark money. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. That's the dream. Oh, Cruz Azul almost just scored their eighth goal. Hang on. Cruz Azul is winning 7-0 right now in the second leg of this. Whatever. Oh. Anyway. Wow. Okay. Do you, do, you, do you guys remember when we played in CONCACAF Champions League? I do. Do you guys remember that? I do. That was fun. No, actually, it's funny that you bring that up. Like, that was my first game that I ever went to, like, at the stadium was us playing uh, the crew in Champions League in, like, 2010, 11-ish. Really? Wow. I was at that game. Cool. It was very cold. Oh, it was wow. cold. It, no, and, like, yeah, it was a great game. Loved it. You don't remember yeah, we, we need Champions League back. That's because that was my first game. Like I hold on to that, and that's where I get a. I don't want to say I get a lot of joy because obviously I get a lot of joy out of a lot of things. But I love the idea of Champions League so much for RSL for that. Same. Me personally, so I, I can't wait it. till we get back to it. I, I, I don't I, think twenty twenty one is going to be the year, but you know, I'll still fight. You know, you bet this Swazo if I ever see him anywhere. <laughs> I'll still, fight. I'll still fight him. I'll lose, but if I can scratch or gouge an eye, I'll do it for the fan base. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, on that note, um, we should probably let Victor go to bed so we can get ready for uh, Mandarin immersion in the morning and <laughs> all that. Mandarin spelling test. Oh, yeah. Victor, thanks so much for joining us, man. Yeah, yeah real thanks, pleasure. Man. Thanks for having me on. It was really fun. Um, what one last thing is, you know, that everybody talks about imposter syndrome, and uh, you know, there's a negative connotation to feeling like you don't belong. But man, sometimes there's an exhilarating feeling to knowing that you're not supposed to be somewhere, you're not qualified to talk about anything, but you get invited anyway. So I'm very excited that I, I got by you. It's like, it's like getting That's right. movie theater through the exit. You didn't pay. You're not supposed to be there, but it, dude, it was fun. So yeah. <laughs> jokes on everyone. Victor's actually a white dude, so <laughs> sorry. No one will recognize you when they see you in the stadium. If it makes you feel any better, Victor, we shouldn't be here either. So don't yeah, worry about it. Right. <laughs> Thank you. Well, uh this has been episode I think forty two, if I've not miscounted, of Off the Crossbar. And uh Yeah. Good night, guys. Good, good night. night.